Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Turn with me to Matthew 5, and just going to read verse 6. Just read one verse, and then I'll, you can be seated. And Matthew 5 and 6. The Bible said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Today, if you can be seated today, as, as we begin this, this new month, or this new series of lessons today, God desires to pour out his blessings on those who recognizes the need, need of him to do that. Today, you know, as we start this new series, as Kingdom Living is this, this title for the series, but it looks closely at the Sermon on the Mount and the way that Jesus called us to live as his disciples. These lessons will investigate four different things. They'll investigate first today as we're going to talk about the life God blesses, and then we'll talk about the mission of every disciple, the discipline of a disciple, and the importance of seeking first the kingdom. These truths highlighted in these teachings of Jesus on the mount are crucial for the life and for our spiritual health of every believer sitting here today. These, these highlights of these teachings today is, this is crucial for our everyday life and our everyday living. This series will encourage us to live as children of the King. And that's what each one of these lessons is going to have things in it. Each one of these lessons will teach us how to, how to live life and how to be a better, a better Christian. Today, as I'm going to start this lesson today, is a, about a, a story about a farmer and his young son. This farmer, is, this, this story was, is probably from, you know, probably a several, several years ago. The farmer and his son were working in the field during a particular dry summer. The skies had been frequently been, had been cloudily, cloudy, but they had not been no rain for weeks. And then suddenly, as sometimes it happens in Florida, the wind in the skies took a sudden turn. And the father looked at the son and says, it's, it's, fitting, to go, it's fitting to start raining or it's going to rain. And the farmer and the son, they said, let's, go, let's head to the house. And as they head to the house, the two ran across the field and traversing through the ditches and and through the through around the fences in their field, and the rain had already began to start falling before the father and his son reached the field near the house. But this dry dirt, this dry powdered sand, had became quickly became mud, like it does in you know in in the south when the sand we live in, you know, it's dry and powder and dust. You can't breathe, and all of a sudden it starts raining. It it turns to mud. As the boy came running around the corner of the front porch, he slipped and stumbled and fell headlong into a mud puddle. The father, father couldn't resist, resist to laugh a little bit, but then he quickly picked up his mud-caked son and he carried him under the porch in the safe in the rain. 
inside like all mothers do, cried out and says, do not track that mud into my house. She says, I will bring you a towel for both of you. And as the father and the son stood soaked on the front porch, the boy began to grumble and complain that his father wiped the mud from his face. He says, I hate the rain, the boy blurted out. What is it good for, any, what is it, what is it good for anyway? The father laughed again a little bit and said, you know, emphasizing with the son and his miserable state of being soaked and with rain and the mud all over him. And the son, he says, you have no idea how much good the rain does. The rain is a blessing for everyone and everything around here. The soaked and the filthy boy was skeptical. To everyone and everything, Dad, how so? He says, well, you know the rain barrels outside of the, under the eave of the house. Why, if it wasn't for the rain, we would not have any drinking water or even water to bathe in. We are going to have full barrels of fresh, cool water tomorrow morning because of the rain. And if the crops need, the crops need rain too, and if the rain does not come, the crops will not grow, and we will have not, nothing to eat for ourselves or even for anything to sell in town. And of course... All this rain keeps the weather cool for the animals. And while you might not like all the mud, the pigs are sure going to enjoy it. He says, are you, and you know that that creek that you love to fish in, all this rain means that stream is going to run high for the next few days and there's going to be a lot of fish. Plus the rain clears the dust and makes the air cleaner and easier to breathe. So you see the rain benefits us in different ways. And here's the point I want to bring out is depending on what is the need. But it is always a blessing. Yes, here's the rain. You know, the rain here blesses us many different ways. But we look at it as, as a blessing. And, you know, and, I, and I know we've just kind of come through a pretty well drought and then we got all a, a month's worth of rain in two days or three. But sometimes in life, you know, we can be just like this. We can look at the rain and say, well, what? When it, when, it became, when it did start raining and we're like, Lord, I'm ready for it to quit raining every day. But God knows that the blessings that we have on this rain and the benefits that comes from this, God loves to pour out his blessings on his children. But today as we're going to talk about, but God has especially shown compassion on the pained, on the weary, and on the downtrodden. When Jesus began his public ministry, he read from Isaiah 61 and said he's in the synagogues and especially mentioned. His ministry was to the poor, to the brokenhearted, the captive, the blind, and the bruised. These groups could be classified as those who feel emptied, empty inside and, and then having a nagging deficit deep in their souls. Jesus loves these groups of people so dearly as evidenced by the crowds who followed him. Throughout his ministry on the on, in the throughout the Bible and through his, about his ministry here on the earth, we see the people that the Bible talks about follow Jesus. They were prostitutes, tax collectors, they were common fishermen, lepers, the blind, the lame, and others all in need of of healing in different ways in their life. Jesus was followed by the outcast or the people that some people look down upon. You know, and sometimes in life, you know, that, and that is the people Jesus ministered to. And today I'm going to talk about that and a reason 
maybe why some of these people and why people, some of the people that Jesus ministered to. In Luke 5, when he was challenged by the Pharisees, why he associated with the publicans and the sinners. In Luke 5 and, 5 and verse 31, he says, Jesus responded, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Here, Jesus, what he was saying is, Jesus said, I didn't, I didn't come to help the one that's already got everything took care of. I come to the ones that's got, that's got a mess in their life. That's who I came to the earth for. He said, I came to this earth. I didn't come to help the, the ones that had the good job and everything, everything in place and everything right. He came for them, but he came for the people that, that's, that has a, their life in a mess. Matthew 5 and 3 is, Matthew 5 actually started reading in verse 3, but is, is, is known as the Beatitudes. It began Jesus' well-known sermon on the mount. The first group of Beatitudes could be, reckon, could be categorized as the empty. The Bible says the poor in spirit. They are, they are that mourn, the meek, the hungry for righteousness. There is a considerable debate concerning and throughout some things about the phrase poor in spirit. Because in Matthew 5 and 3 is the only place in the Bible that this phrase is even found. Even Luke's version of this passage, the author omitted in spirit and simply refers to it as the poor. Being poor in spirit may refer to us in the scripture, but it may refer to us when we see ourselves as we truly are. Limited, inadequate, being in need of God's grace. And sometimes I've found myself as the poor. When I'm talking about poor today, sometimes I'm not talking about the money that's in my pocket. Today I'm talking about sometimes when we find ourselves that we're limited, we're inadequate of being, doing what God really needs us to be and we find that inadequate feeling in our life. That is who God came to minister to. We realize the absence of hope when we when trust in our, our own humanity alone. When we just trust in our own humanity or my abilities, we realize that absence of hope. Once we realize our need for God and the inefficiencies of our own humanity, God is able to fill us with sincere seekers with his spirit. And we become heirs of Christ and inhabit of his kingdom. Throughout all of our lives, we have identified with those who mourn. Anybody here ever identified with somebody that mourned? Have you ever mourned in your life? We often associate this mourning with death of a loved one. But a loss that can result in mourning from many different places, many different areas in life. Certainly we mourn when we realize how poor in spirit we are, truly are. How much our sin has separated us from God. When we really realize and we really realize how far our sin has separated us from God. When we find ourselves in that place that we look at and we say, my poor decisions has got me this way far away from God. When we realize that in life, we find ourselves mourning. No matter the reason we mourn, we have the promise of God's comfort in the midst of our mourning. Jesus often referred to the Holy Spirit as a comforter through his earthly ministry. And even in John, through the book of John, we find several places it was referring to that Holy Spirit as the comforter. When we are filled with God's Spirit, we can have confidence and the ever-present comforter dwells within inside of us. When God gives us his spirit, 
when His Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. When we, go, when we face things in this life, the way we get through them is because we have that comforter inside of us. Sometimes in life I wonder how people that don't believe in God or how, how people that don't have a relationship with God, how they deal with things. How do they deal with loss or how do they deal with the things that this, this world and this life throws at them? Because I know where my, where my strength lies. I know how I get through things in my life. I know how I've went through the, 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 the morning and the down times in my life. It's because I've had that comforter. And I've always wondered how someone makes it through this. How does someone go through this without knowing the comforter? Today, you know, we talk about emptiness. We talk, but not all emptiness is bad. To be meek is to be empty of pride and self. To be gentle and slow to anger. Meekness is not cowardness. The scripture talks about in the scripture we talk about, but it is patience and long-suffering. Even in the face of persecution, we have meekness. When you empty yourself of pride and allow God's spirit to help us be patient, even if the whole world is against us, Jesus promises we will inherit the earth. doesn't matter. When we, we get a pride out of our life. And today, you know, I'm here to talk about myself today. Sometimes we have too much pride. When we go through things, sometimes we have too much pride to even allow God to step into our life and allow God to get into our life. But when we get that pride out of our life, we we'll and we, we, we get patience. And that's another thing I have problems with. I have patience. I don't have much patience. That's not a strong suit. But God says if I'll get pride out of my life and God's spirit will help me with my patience. So when the Bible says, and God also promises to fill everyone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. For those who have felt extreme hunger and thirst today can testify how much it can overwhelm and preoccupy your life. You know, sometimes in life we talk about being hungry, being thirsty. Truly hunger and thirst. You know, when I stand here today, and yes, I've been hungry before. Or I call myself being hungry. But I've never, that is that is because maybe I've decided not to eat or I just didn't stop and eat or whatever. I, and then I, later on I became hungry. But that hunger is because I made a conscious decision that I didn't want something to eat. Not that I didn't have something to eat. I've been thirsty before. I work in the, you know, outside and so I've been thirsty before. I've been, so I felt like I was going to die of thirst. But it wasn't because I didn't have access to something to drink. And so there's a difference when you have extreme hunger and you have extreme, extreme thirst. When if, you, if you don't have no way to satisfy that, you know, then, then it becomes to another level. And so today, sometimes you know, in life, God is wanting to, to supply our needs. Yes, he is there to supply our needs, but he wants us to have a true hunger for that. I don't want to get ahead of myself today, but I believe God is, is he, he wants to pour out our blessings in the amount of how hungry we are. And so, so sometimes in life, you know, if, 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 if whatever level, I, and I feel this is, is something that I feel like in my life, I feel like as I'm as a, uh, uh, 
my, I have a, the level of my Christianity, my le- level of, of how close I am to God is all depends on me. It don't depend on God. God is there. He's there waiting. He's there to give me everything that I need. All, the, all my dependencies or whatever, what I don't have with, of God, what parts of, I don't have of God is because I have not chosen or I'm not hungry enough to receive them. Because God honors and sincere's our holy desires. He's promised to fill all the people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, when we're hungry and thirsty, when we, I believe God is, He promises that. As I already said, I believe if we really get hungry for a move of God, God is waiting for that hunger. And when He starts filling that hunger, when He starts, He starts giving us what we really need and what we're really hungry for. Interesting in this infilling results in even more hunger and more infilling in our internal life. You know, if we, if, if we, if we this is an ongoing cycle. If we'll truly get hungry for God and allow God to start pouring His blessings into our life, that hunger is just going to increase. That hunger is going to increase and we're going to get closer and closer and get more of more of God in our life. God's righteousness should keep us wanting for more. And for more. We're more, the more we desire, the more God will fill us. I feel like the more we reach out to Him, the more we desire Him, the more He will give us. We can we can have we can we can have and get as much as we deserve. Because He's there willing to give it. We just gotta want it. It is easy to give to the Lord the things that we know we have. Sometimes in life, you know, we, we, we give him what we, we know we can. It's easy to give him something that we know we can replace. You know, we've, we have a job and we know it's easy to give money when you know that you got $200 coming in the mail. It's easy to give $100. If you know you got $200, going to replace that already before you gave it. It's easy to give something when you know you can replace it by your physical needs. It is sometimes difficult to empty yourself. And then trust God that he will be faithful to fill those empty spaces. We sing a song, we sing songs about, I give you all. I give it all to you. We sing songs about that and I love them songs. We sing and we worship and we sing, I give you everything, God. It's every breath of my life is yours. And we, we talk about, we sing these songs, but do we really give him all? Or are we holding some things back? And I feel like, you know, God is wanting us to empty things out of our life. He's wanting to empty this world out of our life and and give it all to him so he can fill us up that much more. God thrives on using empty vessels to perform his will. And that's what God is wanting us to do. He's wanting us to give or empty us out so he can fill us back up. Because he can't fill us up, you can take a container, and, I, and I've shared this one time in one of my sermons, you can, you can fill up a container, but you can't put so much stuff in this container until you empty some, some things out. And if we got our life so full of junk, if we got our life so feel, full of the cares of this world, God can't put so much of him in us. So we must empty these vessels. And that's what God thrives. He wants, us to, he wants to use empty vessels to perform his will. If we truly want to be filled, we must first truly empty the things out of our life.
We need to come to God, open, empty vessels so he can fill us up. While God is especially concerned for the empty, his blessings are for all seasons of our life. He is not just a a very present help in trouble, as Psalms 46 says, but as Psalms 147 says, he takes pleasure in them that fear him. God is a fellow celebrator in good times, just as he is his help in the bad times. He desires for us to seek him. He desires for us to seek him, not just to pray for our needs. So many times I've caught myself when I go to prayer because we do have a lot of things to pray about. Sometimes I find myself when I hit my knees to pray, Lord, I need this. I need you to work this out. I need you to do this in my life or I need need you to touch this person, that person. And before I know it, I'm sitting here giving him the list that I need him to do and I'm really not seeking him. I'm not seeking what he can do for me and what he wants to bless me and not giving myself to him. I'm just giving him my, my, my do list, to-do list. But he also rejoices over victories. The next group of Beatitudes could be classified as the full. These are people that's full of mercy, full of purity, and full of peace. Being full of mercy has a self-fulfilling promise. When we give mercy... We receive mercy. And we have to give mercy as like we want to receive mercy. And there's so much powerful in that statement. This is, a, this is the connecting to the principle of the sowing and reaping found somewhere elsewhere throughout Jesus' teachings and the writings of Paul. We, as we sow, we will reap. And sometimes, you know, we sow, we sow this, we sow mercy, we receive mercy. We, we, we sow forgiveness. We receive forgiveness. Being pure in heart relates to a sincerity and holiness which results in seeing God. This passage is a helpful reminder that it is, imp- it is impossible to fully discover God until we know him in purity and in holiness. Pure in heart does not mean that we're perfect and never make mistakes. When you say we are pure in heart, that doesn't mean we're, we're, we're not perfect, that we're perfect. Pure in heart means that our heart is single and undivided. What this is really saying, put it in our terms a little bit today, is we're not living on the fence about our relationship with Jesus. Our heart's not divided. And I feel like sometimes the church today, even in my life today, if I'm not careful, my heart is divided. The cares of this world, and in Jesus Christ, my relationship with Jesus. My heart is so divided, sometimes I'm leaning on the wrong side of the fence. Like the guy in the Bible that was leaning the wrong way in the window. If you're not careful, you go to leaning that far and before long, and there's so much truth in our life today. What side of that fence you're leaning on? That's what's so dangerous about riding the top of the fence. Because it don't take very much leaning in the wrong direction before you fall in the wrong direction. Simply stated, pure in heart is living on the right side of the fence all the time. When we, our heart's not divided, we're on the right side of the fence. We're on the right side of the window. We're on the right side of our relationship with God. So we must be on the right side. 
Jesus spoke a special blessing over the peacemakers. Those are willing, those willing to make peace have a beautiful privilege of being called God's children. Being a peacemaker is not always easy. Being a peacemaker is sure not as easy in the world we live in today because we live in a hostile world. Everywhere around you today, there's hostile situations. There's things, that, there's people in our lives today. There's people on our jobs today that's going through some things in life that's hostile situations. Things that they need a peace in. Their lives are so thrown to the wind that they need somebody that's sitting there holding to the ground to ground them. And sometimes I feel like God has put us in people's lives. You may say, well, why am I here today? Why am I have to show up to this job today? Because this world is, I don't seem like I'm making a difference. But you might be the only peace in that atmosphere. You may be the one that God has called to hold this thing together. When Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit, he also promised. He says in, in John 14 and 27, says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as this world giveth, give I unto you. In another place, Jesus noted in John 13 and 35, says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. You know, and when we look at life, you know, we're going to go back to, you know, our, on our jobs and situations that God put us in. I look at this, you know, sometimes, you know, this, in this scripture in John 13 and 35, the Bible says that we shall, be, men shall know that ye are my disciples. Because he sees that peace in our life. They realize that. We don't have to go around and say, hey, I'm a Christian. I go to the Hatchman Apostolic Church. That should show through us and throw through into the atmosphere where we, and the people we, we work around and the people we are. We should, that our peace makers that we are should, should show who we are. There's an old saying we used to say is, do you know who I am? And I don't have to go around telling people who I am because I should, my, my spirit should go before me and my spirit should show before me in everything that I do. And, and today is, you know, is I, in, on the jobs and in life, in life, in the grocery store, wherever you may be, we should be representative of Jesus Christ. That, that our life should be that, that peace that people feel when that we walk into the room. When we walk in the room, they shouldn't say, well, there's, there, there's old battle axe or there's old so-and-so. Here the hurl, here comes the tornado. We should, we should, people should feel peace when we walk in the room. They should feel that comfort when it walks in the room. If we truly got the comforter inside of us, when we walk into an atmosphere of chaos, there should be a spirit of peace walks in that room. The way we know who we are is and whose we are. And the presence of the Holy Spirit within us is how we love and act in peace toward others. God's bountiful blessings are not given for the sake of blessing us alone. God's blessings are designed to flow through us as a well, as well as unto us. In the book of Genesis, God gave Abraham a promise and a commission in, one, in the same sentence. 
Genesis 12 and 2, he says, I will bless thee and make thee, thy name great. And then he went on and said, and he said, and thou shalt be a blessing. He said, I will bless thee and I'll make thy name great. But also you're going to be a blessing to the people you come in contact with. God's blessings were not for Abraham alone. But they were for everyone that he would encounter throughout his life. Being full of mercy, peace, and purity are inherently for blessing others as well as it is for blessing ourselves. What good is having mercy if we don't interact with others who need it? What benefit is being full of peace if we do not speak into the turmoil of other people around us? What good is being full of righteousness and purity if it does not empower us to be distinctive witnesses in the world that's devoid of these things in life? Let us pray for God to daily remind us that we are, as Brother Toby's already talked about, that we are pipelines of God's blessings, or conduit of God's blessings, the term he used, and not storage bins. We must be, must his presence and his mercy and all this must flow through us and not just be stored in us. So many times in our life, well, I feel like, you know, we, 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 we come to church and we gain all this. and Everything we come to church, every sermon we preach, what we feel when we walk in this building, the presence of God we feel is so powerful every time. But we can't allow that to just sit inside of us. Or it'll become like Brother Toby said, it'll become stagnant. It must flow through us. Any, any water, anything sitting still becomes stagnant. And so if, if, if it's not flowing through you, it's going to become stagnant. So that's why we, we should be in outreach in everything we do. On our job, we should be working outreach. Because everything we do, it should be flowing through us. If God shares a message with you, God touches you, God heals your body, that don't need to stay stagnant in just your relationship or your, your, your mind. It needs to flow through you as a testimony. And as testimonies flows through us, it benefits what God made it to come forth to happen to do. Today in the final group, the, the final group of the especially mentioned by Christ in the Beatitudes were the persecuted. While persecution certainly looks different today in the modern Western world than it did in Jesus' time, persecution, persecution currently still exists. In some places around the world, this still includes violence, imprisonment, and even death. However, regardless of what persecution looks like, those who suffer can expect God's blessings to come into their life. However, there is something unique about suffering for righteous sake. Persecution happens when good, the good we do for God, for God results in attacks from the enemy of our souls. In addition to suffering for, in addition to suffering for sake of righteousness, it is also possible to suffer for the sake of Christ. While these two concepts are closely related, they're different. We can suffer for righteous sake simply by standing up for principles of goodness, truth, morality, and justice. However, when we suffer for God's sake, it is persecution directly related to our Christian beliefs. There is a difference. You can stand up for be just you can stand up and sometimes you're persecuted for just doing what is right. 
or doing what you know the society feels is right. If it don't agree with the political message, sometimes you can be persecuted. But it is different when you suffer for God's sake because it's directly related to your Christian beliefs. When we, we're mocked for our godly dress or our theological beliefs or the testimony for Jesus, this is persecution for God's sake. However, when we know we are in line with God's will for our lives, our response should not be in despair. We should not lash out from someone. We know and we should not be despair. We should not get overwhelmed when somebody's persecuting us. If we know we're in the will of God, if we know that God is in line with what we're doing, if we have resistance against us, we should not let that down. We should not stop. We should not quit. And we should not get overwhelmed with that because we have a promise that Jesus says that he will honor what we do and what we do for him. Jesus encourages his listeners to rejoice and to be exceedingly glad for, for great is your reward in heaven for the ones that's been persecuted. Perhaps this is why so many Christian martyrs that's martyred worship and thank God even as they were being burned on the stake or fed to lions. They still worshiped God. That is because they, they believed they were doing things right. They believed that they was going to be a more better reward in heaven than what they was here on the earth. They view persecution for, for the sake of God as an honor and not a burden. And when we look at that in life, you know, we say, when we, we look at what we go through on this earth as persecution, is an honor to be persecuted for Jesus' sake. And it's not a burden. They also understood that persecution for God's sake puts us into good company with prophets who came before. Even more than prophets, we also identify with Christ who forewarned his followers in John 15 and 18. He said, if this world hates you, ye know, you know, ye know that I, it hated me before it hated you. And he says, if they persecute me, if they, ha they have persecuted me, and they will also persecute you. So Jesus told us, if they hate you, they hated me first. And they persecuted me. So they're going to persecute you. So here he, he gave us something to look forward to. He looked for it. He says, they, 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 they hated me and also they're going to hate you and they're going to persecute you. Because Christ suffered first, we can trust that he will be able to emphasize with our hurting hearts and anything that we may go through. Because I'm here today to tell you, I don't feel like, I mean, I, I don't know what the future holds, but I know I haven't went through nothing in my life. The persecution I went through in my life, it nowhere comes close to what Christ went through. But he emphasizes with with everything that we go through. Because he did come and put on a robe of flesh. He felt hurt just like me and you feel hurt. He felt neglect like we feel neglect. He felt abuse like we feel abuse. So he knows what we feel when we go through this life. And he provided the comfort and strength needed to endure whatever we go through. At different times it will be, we will all experience emptiness, fullness, and persecution. Some may, some may experience all three of these at one time in varying degrees. You know, we may, we may have emptiness in our life. We may have fullness in our life. 
and we may have persecution. At other times, a local church, and I know this because I've been around the church long enough, I know this to be true, that a local church may have a wide variety of members who are all in different seasons and each needing unique blessings from God at the same time. Here we sit here today, in this sanctuary today. There's probably some people that feels an emptiness in their life. Some people feels a fullness, and even people feels persecuted here today in this world. But here today, we fortunately, we serve a God who knows how to respond to every one of us. Not just one of us, and he don't have to, he don't have to minister to me and then minister to you. He ministers to us all at one time. I've came to services before, and I know this myself. I've been to services for where I knew there was multiple people in this, going through so many different assets of life and things in life just this way, and I've heard them say from one message, God gave me exactly what I needed. And they may have been empty, they may have been full, they may have been persecuted, they may have sickness in their body, or they may have this going on and that going on. But God ministered to them with one sermon, one man of God standing in front of them, ministered to them with everything that he did all at one time. He can bless the grieving soul in the same amount moment he blesses the rejoicing soul and the persecuted soul all at the same time. Although these seasons may be different, we do not have to approach a different spirit or a different God in these different seasons in our life. And just as, just as the rain produces a wide variety of benefit, the same spirit can simultaneously bless a church full of people who each need something unique from God at the very same time. God, but God is a gentleman and will not bless those who do not wish to be blessed. We must humble ourselves and pray to receive God's great blessings. Although the story at the beginning of this lesson was more than likely it was fictional. The struggles we face daily, what the struggles this little young man thought about the rain. We, we, we suffer these same struggles and we face these, these daily face, these are real. It is possible for a pastor and I know this is true because I've been around Brother Boyd enough to know this actually happened. It is possible for a pastor to speak at a funeral to a grieving church full of saints or people and also officiate a wedding the very same day. So sometimes in life, you know, as a, as a minister or as a church body, there's sometimes in life we go through so many different things at once. It is also common for Christians to go through seasons of mourning and seasons of celebration all at the same time. And I know in my life there's been times that I've seemed like everything was going on at once. Anybody ever faced that too? <laughs> and so sometimes in life we feel like, you know, we, we don't just have things comes at us slow anymore. And I think the world as we live, I think it's getting faster. And maybe just I'm getting more gray hair, but it... But it's just sometimes it seems like the world is getting faster. Things that's coming at us fast. We must stay in tune with God's blessings in our lives and continually to communicate with Him. Jesus told another better known parable about fathers and sons in Matthew 7. Jesus spoke generally about the nature of a fatherhood. What type of father would not give good gifts to his children? If a father loves his children, 
He will certainly not give them anything that could harm them. Most fathers cannot imagine giving their hungry son a stone instead of a bread or a dangerous serpent instead of, a, of some tasty meat. If this is true of an earthly, flawed, un- imperfect father, think how much more it must be true for our perfect heavenly father. God desires to bless us and has the ability to bless us more than we could ever imagine. But in order to receive these blessings, we must be willing to ask. God listens to those who cry out to him. In Matthew 7, he promised. He says, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And every one that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth. And him that knocketh it, it shall be opened. However, immediately after this, speaking about the seeking for things from God and reflecting on the nature of a father giving gifts to their sons, Jesus gave this encouraging, commonly known as the golden rule. He says in Matthew 7 and 12, he says, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Even in conversation about praying for receiving good gifts from our Heavenly Father, Jesus gave a, a, a prominent reminder that these gifts are not for our benefit only. The blessings we receive from God should cause us to grow in love, should grow in respect and compassion for everyone that's around us. Today as I begin to close, I say only when we receive this revelation will we fully command given to Abraham in which he were blessed to be blessed. When we're blessed to be blessed, God is, that's what we're, that's what we're here for. Is God blesses us to be a blessing. But I'm here today to tell somebody today, I feel like, as I already said it earlier, as we, as, as we desire blessings from God, we must empty out ourselves. As we stand across here today, I ask us today, as we pray, reach out to God, I ask Him today to empty anything that's inside of us that's keeping out what He wants to put in us. So as we pray today, let's, let's ask God to remove anything that's hindering His Spirit in our life. Lord, I ask You to touch us today. I ask You to minister today to us today, Lord Jesus. I ask You right now, Lord Jesus, to take out anything in my life. Lord, I ask You to remove, Lord Jesus. I empty everything, Lord Jesus, to You. Lord Jesus, so you can be blessed, Lord. I ask you, Lord Jesus, for a hunger, Lord Jesus, for your will to be done, Lord Jesus. I ask you for a hunger in my life, Lord Jesus, that revival happens, Lord. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to touch us and anoint us today. Minister today, Lord Jesus, in this service, Lord. Remember to remain a part of this service, Lord Jesus, through every singer, every musician, Lord Jesus. Touch Brother Boyd today in the second service, Lord. I ask you to touch us and anoint us. In Jesus' name we pray. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. 
Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.